Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the new moon solar eclipse in Sagittarius to the second decan of Sagittarius. I am joined today by my good friend, Hannah Kuhari. Am I saying that correctly, Hannah? Close. It's Kuhari, but Kuh Kuhari. Okay. all good. <laughs> Kuhari. All right. Hannah Kuhari, uh, who is joining us from Missouri? Yeah, yes? Kansas, okay. Kansas City, Missouri. You got it. Yes. Um, and for all of you out there in digital land, uh, tell us where you're joining us from today in the chat box here. I see we've got a few people joining us from North Carolina. Hello, Brian. Hello, Tarya. Hello, Amber. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we're going to go on a deep dive of some of the Sagittarian um, archetypes. We're going to talk a lot about this eclipse today. We're going to do a little bit with the first quarter moon and maybe touch on the full moon a little bit. And um, as always, we'll do an I Ching and an animal of the uh, the day or the week or the month or the lunation, <laughs> whatever it is. But first, Hannah, let us uh, know a little bit about yourself and, and what your background is and where people can find you and what you've got going on. Well, thanks for having me, Spencer. This is such a delight, truly. I love your work. And so it's so fun for me to get to get to um, chat with you about this, uh, this eclipse. So I am a psychic medium and also a professional astrologer. And I've been doing this for about three and a half, almost four years now. And um, I mean, it's like, where do I even begin with all of this? I've always been fascinated by the cosmos and the stars and um, kind of weaving the ancient storylines in with modern and, and with, you know, our, our current timelines. And so um, astrology has always been something that's beckoned to me as a place to just make sense of um, both what is new and what is old. And so I find so much, just, just so much wisdom that, that helps me in my, my daily practice and, um, it's been such a pillar as well in my work with my clients, helping to support them through their business, uh, their personal lives, um, and, and even with the spiritual realm when I'm working with people and uh, their guides and uh, their angels and their loved ones and spirits, seeing those overlaps between the spirit world and then also uh, astrology is, is really quite fun. Um, so... Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I could go off on a huge tangent about what led me to all of this and, and all that good stuff, but um, I'm a, I'm an eternal student. I've got a, a big lineup of Sagittarius planets in my chart. And so feels really fitting that we get to talk about all this, yeah, this good so stuff today. Do you share your, your big three? And yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. So I'm a sort, I'm a Scorpio sun in the seventh house. Uh, I'm a Pisces moon in the 11th house and I'm a Taurus rising, which I think, uh, when you first get to know me, I think people totally see the Taurus side of me. And then uh, as you get to, as you get to know me and I let you into my circle, then you see more of the, <laughs> the deep emotive stuff. But um, yeah, it's a yeah, watery. Well, I first got to meet you in my Decans of Scorpio workshop and you had some really, uh, really good insights to share. And Thank you. just been getting to know you over the last few weeks here. I've been really impressed with you know, both your, the, the beauty of your online presence, you have a really good a, a aesthetic eye on your uh, Instagram. What, where can we find you on Instagram? Thank you. Yes, I'm at Divine Sky Mystic okay. on Instagram. And that's your website as well, right? That is my website. Yes. I'm terrible at plugging myself. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> divineskymystic.com and the same on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And you've just been, um, one thing I really appreciate about Hannah 
for those of you out there, she is Johnny on the spot about <laughs> responding to emails and texts like right away. And don't discount how valuable that is in a professional setting. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that ability to be a, a great communicator like that too. So thank, thank you, you, Hannah, for, for being, you know, just a superstar in that regard. So, oh, my pleasure. Um, do you have anything coming up for, for us here pretty soon in your offerings? Yeah. So I'm closing out my one-on-one kind of um, top tier offering, which is called Passage, which does utilize um, the astrology, the transits and personal progressions, as well as the sacred guidance. So guidance from your, your spiritual team. We do a lot of intuitive guidance as well. This is a one-on-one offering that I work with uh, my clients in a personal uh, capacity where we take a look at what's coming in for you for the year and break it down bi-monthly over a 90 minute zoom call. And I find it to be really supportive for people who are business owners or they've got big plans for the year ahead, or they just want to know, how do I work with this energy? It seems really overwhelming to me. Uh, maybe they just want that, um, that, that's, that extra support and clarity about what the transits mean and how that coincides with what, what they may be already going through. Um, and I always find it a little bit, uh, I don't know. I just, I just kind of crack up a little bit when people are like, well, I just want to use this for business. And I'm like, great, let's do it. But also know that like, we're talking about your natal chart. So it's all of you that's going to be involved here. And that was uh, a lot of the feedback that I received last year from some clients that went through is that it really was kind of an overarching metamorphosis of their, their life through that year. And yes, we can focus on supporting you business-wise or career-wise, but know that there's going to be so much um, personal depth in terms of growth that there's no way to get it to get around that. But I love getting to to just witness all of that magic. I love that holistic approach. I mean, I think that a lot of the times we try to compartmentalize parts of our life in different yeah. ways. And I think it's almost impossible. And I think if you work on some of your underlying, you know, maybe historical narrative challenges, that's gonna help you in your business. So I I, mm-hmm. I really um I really like your your program here and the way that you work with people um, over a longer period of time. I think that's cool being able to build that relationship and whatnot. So check her out, divineskymystic.com, correct? Yes, yes. All right. And one little last plug before we dive in here. Um, I like to get them out out of the way in the beginning of the show because you all are stuck here (laughs) with us today. (laughs) Oh, no. But... um, yeah, I've got my Decans of Sagittarius uh, webinar coming up soon. Um, that's going to be on December the 11th, which is a week from Saturday. And uh, you can sign up at my website, spencermichaud.com. There's also a link in the video description below. We're going to go on an, uh, a two and a half to three hour journey with Sagittarian Decans. We're going to bring in the tarot. We're going to uh, bring in some of the mythology. Um, we had a really great discussion with the Scorpio webinar, so I'm hoping that we can have yeah. that kind of deep dive discussion again. So I hope that you'll join me with that. And um, yeah, and if you're looking for help through this eclipse season, uh, I think both Hannah and I do readings as well. So mm-hmm. uh, reach out and um, we'll try to guide you through, through the changes, <laughs> through the changes. Um, all right, so let's dive in here. Let's pull this chart up let's and see what we are looking at. See, we've got a few friends uh, stopping by here still. We've got um, Meredith is coming from Rhode Island. Says, hey, hey Meredith. Hey, Meredith. 
Uh, our friend Andrea is here from Croatia, the Space Tiger Tarot on Instagram. Oh, I love that name. Yeah, great. And yeah, she she has a great um she has a great Instagram as well. Check that out. Cool. Jackie is here from Asheville. Hello, Jackie. And Dimphy, our our friend from the Netherlands, is stopping by as well. So I'm excited to see all of you here. We've got some of our Finland crew here. So <laughs> we got an international crew. Love right. it. We've even got someone joining us from the ether. So I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what we are looking at here is the chart for December 4th, 2021. We have a new moon solar eclipse at 12 degrees of Sagittarius. Um, this is the second decan of Sagittarius. We've got Mercury co-present with our um, eclipse. Of course, eclipses, for those of you who might be new to astrology, are kind of like supercharged new moons. These are where the, the south or the north node are very close to the lunation. And here we still have the south node being very close to the new moon here. Um, it is the last eclipse that we're going to see in the Sagittarius and Gemini axis for quite some time as the nodes shift to Taurus and Scorpio. Um, the host of this uh new moon solar eclipse is Jupiter, and it is going to be hanging out in the third decan of Aquarius. So we'll sort of break that down a little bit as well. Um, Hannah, do you have any big picture thoughts about this eclipse or sort of broad canvas type of things? Yeah, you know, when I looked at the lunation, what I the visual that I received or that I was that I was picturing in my mind with this energy is kind of straddling two worlds. It's like one foot in the past and then one foot in the future. And it's, it's interesting because as a new moon, I think generally we think about new beginnings, fresh starts, especially in the sign of Sagittarius, where there's so much, um, you know, excitement and, and, uh, explorative tendencies to just like get out and get, get started. Um, yet we have the South node presence here, which is an ending. And the fact that it's, it's the last cycle or the last lunation in this axis is, is significant because we're really clearing out some, some karmic um, themes in our life. And so it really is also an ending as much as it is a beginning. Um, so I find that to be quite, quite interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, we've got the, the, the new moon itself, which generally, like you were saying, is a, is a start of a cycle, but it's kind of hanging out with that South node. And, you know, in the, the Western traditional astrology tradition, um, that's a place of energy leaving, you know, mm -hmm. it's a place of processing old experiences of letting go. And, um, you know, we're letting go of maybe beliefs potentially with, with Sagittarius, you know, that our sense of, uh, I know in capital letters mm -hmm. rather than the questions that we've been kind of tasked with asking with the North node, the point of increase in Gemini, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I'm I'm really curious to see what this brings. I don't know about you, but I, I've been having some really intense dreams the last few nights. Yeah, I have uh, too. Last, last night in particular, I was just feeling overwhelmed with some what felt like some prophetic dreams, and I'll 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 keep them to myself for now. But they felt important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't usually say that. Uh, they sometimes I'll just have dreams like, oh, okay, I was thinking about that. Today right. or whatever, but these were intense, and I had a similar theme come up after going back to sleep, and it came up again. So, mm -hmm. uh, and it was definitely surrounded uh, a letting go process. Mm. Um, 
And that really is brought in with the, the, the Deccan of Jupiter that we're hanging out in here too. Yeah. The Seven of Swords. Mm -hmm. So this is a Deccan that sort of about untying the karmic knot. That's the, the word that Austin Kopic has for that Jupiter yeah. Deccan, which is um, the knot. Yeah, um, right. So I, I'm feeling like, uh, actually, let's bring in this, this Nine of Wands here. Yeah. What do you think about this card here? What are your thoughts on Nine of Wands first? Because that's where the eclipse is going to be actually itself. Yeah, to me, the Nine of Wands is, um, it's stretching under pressure. I, I get the sense of malleability here. Um, and strength, and, and I think of strength as defined by experience. And that's, that's such a Sagittarian theme too, of just, um, it's not that brute physical strength that we see in Aries or like with that more like Martian or Mars and Aries. It's it's strength that's been fortified by life itself. Mm. It's, it's, it's wisdom that we've gained through walking the streets, through climbing the mountain, through having our heart broken and, and continuing to move on. So it's, it's a different kind of strength and fortitude <clears throat> that I think um, sometimes we, we recognize, but yeah. Um, I also think of, of changefulness. That's a word that I, that I feel like is, is really prominent with a lot of these energies and, and it also relates to that that jupiterian energy which i know we'll get into in a second but yeah the changefulness with that <clears throat> the lunar influence on this uh this decan which i know we'll probably dive in here too but there that that kind of goes in with that malleability that um flexibility yeah yeah the, the mutability of sagittarius being that uh, double-bodied sign at the end of a season, like at the mm -hmm. end of the fall season, right? I, I like what you're saying about experience, you know, finding strength through our experience. Um, you know, and that brings to mind that we're sort of getting to the end of the solar year here. Mm -hmm. I think that this is one thing that in my kind of my studies of Sagittarius getting prepped for deep dive webinar land is I think that we don't always really make the, the mental connection of some of the simple things sometimes, and, the, and one of the simple things in the Northern Hemisphere is this is really the last uh, sign where the sun is descending mm -hmm. in the sky, where the, the days are getting shorter. And then when we get to Capricorn, we have the turning again, mm -hmm. where the sun begins to rise uh, in the sky and, and still days get longer. So I, it feels like we are coming to an end of a cycle. Um, you know, since we've got the, the nine of wands in the order of the tarot, this is very close to the, the last card of wands, the 10, mm -hmm. where we're trying to carry something to the finish line. Um, and we've seen some battles. This this guy in the nine of wands is... Yeah, he's, he's seen some things. Yeah, yeah, he's seen some stuff. And, yeah. and he's um, trying to forge his will. Right. Um, yeah, this is something that the, I've been reading. I got this new book that I'm really enjoying. It's called Tarot and the Gates of Light by Mark Horn. And it's really mm. about the, the Kabbalistic journey in the tarot. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm learning more about. That's a, another lens that I'm trying to learn through is the kind of the Kabbalistic tree of life. And, um, you know, this is sort of like the, the birth canal before something becomes physical. You know, yeah. like when they're talking about the nines in particular, like where something is about to be manifested out into the material realm. Um, so focusing all of our willpower, which is a wands kind of thing, into a specific goal. And with this deck, and they talk about the union of body and intention. 
So mm-hmm. Austin Coppock will call this decade the bridal, um, which is sort of a, about directing our vehicle. I, I, themes I was getting were a lot of themes of, um, you know, being able to infuse something in a chariot, you know, finding like the, our passion and infusing it into like something that will carry it into the world or carry it to the next stage. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a couple fixed stars in this deck in two. We've got Antares, the heart of the scorpion at 10 degrees of Sagittarius and Ras Algethi at 16 Sag, uh, which is the, in the head of Hercules. And you and I had a really good talk about fixed stars recently. Right? <laughs> we did. Yeah. We did. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spencer got to read, read my fixed stars, which was so enlightening. If you guys just, if you guys get a chance to do that with him, it's, um, it's a really fantastic experience. I loved it, Spencer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We, we were talking about Russell Gethy a little bit, I think, we uh, in our experience, because you have a, a pretty prominent placement on that star, right? I do. That's my South node and my Jupiter conjunct. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so <big laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To go um, along with this eclipse. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we were talking about, you know, Hercules being the kind of the path of humility and the yeah. path of really like going through trials like mm-hmm. this figure in the nine of wands to be able to come to a point of wisdom through experience and Hercules was challenged. He was challenged by many nemeses, right? Like, right. Um, this was something that Austin talked about in his book, 36 Faces. In this decade, you know, we had an idea in Sag 1, and now we're getting resistance. And that mm-hmm. friction and that resistance, whether it's in the form of a an enemy or somebody who questions our intentions or something like that, is like the the fire or the heat that helps us to fuse intention with will and with body and say, well, yes, this is really what I want. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. The will to overcome. Right. Exactly. Cause, cause a lot of times when we're trying to do stuff, it's not just, you know, it's not always smooth sailing. We've got to really mm-hmm. prove that it's something that we want to manifest. Right. I, I also think too, just the, the energy of this Deccan is, it's that moment when you're in the darkest part of the, a tunnel or a cave, and then you begin to see that piercing light on the other side, just starting to come through. And it's like, all right, I know that I've got this last push uh, to get there. I know there's something that's waiting for me on the other side. So I do feel like there is a, there's an encouragement and a hopefulness that also resides in this energy. And <clears throat> of course that's with the sign of Sagittarius in general, that, that trust and those faith themes that, um, you know, something better is waiting. We have to continue on. Um, but I, that's, that's a visual that I got too, when I was looking at this energy was like, you know, when you're driving through a dark tunnel or even just imagining being in a tunnel and you've been, you know, I don't know, battling bears or something, you know, (laughs) doing the caveman, you know, just, and, and you feel like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I've, I'm exhausted. And then you see that, that one piercing spot of light that just suddenly lifts you to that place of, I can do a little bit more. How am I going to make that happen? And maybe that is just that pep talk, you know, you're talking to yourself like Rocky and like getting fired up to get out the end, or maybe you are like tooth and nail scraping by to get to the to get to that last place. But when you're talking about that fusion of the spirit into the, the physical body or the form or the vessel to get to where you need to go, it is that, that personal, um, pep talk, maybe it is through the divine or something, but it's that courageous, courageous push that is needed 
to get to that birthing process. And as a mother, I, I recall this in my life vividly to two very specific times when I had my, when I had my daughters of literally being in that position of like, I don't know if I can do this. And then finding the the strength from somewhere to be able to, you know, birth these two beautiful children. So, yeah, I love that, that because, you know, well, that really ties in with the kind of the Kabbalistic kind of um, Sephiro kind of uh, mm, meaning mm-hmm. where it is a birth canal. This, this, these nines are kind of in that birth canal position in the tree of life where we're getting ready to birth something into reality. We're getting ready to push it in. And, you know, you, you're definitely more of an authority on giving physical birth than me, <laughs> um, but I, but I hope I can relate at least a little bit as a, maybe as an artist and trying to birth something into creation. Yeah. And I definitely can relate at least on some small, tiny level, um, to, to feeling the, almost like a labor pain where you know that you have to, to get across the finish line. I, mm-hmm. I put out an album a few years ago that like a music album that felt really difficult and, and it took a really long time. And, you know, you could see, I, I like what you were comparing, like seeing the little hint of light, you know, yeah. like that's, that's on the other side or of the, of the mountain that you're trying to climb or, or something of that nature. Um, and, and this is something that Liz Green was bringing up in her book, The Astrology of, of Fate, was, you know, sometimes we can think of that Sagittarian vision as the ability to see a great distance because, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, the, the leaves have all fallen off the trees. Right. We don't have all these distractions of all these, like, um, I don't know, what are, like surface things like like i would think mm-hmm. in, in gemini season when it's spring you've got all the leaves and flowers and all these distractions of all these beauty beautiful surface type stuff but here yeah. we don't even have that we've got the core <clears throat> structures right yeah yeah i agree and i and i i feel like the south node here too is reminding us in the in that moment of do I have what it takes to push myself to the finish line or to get to that, to that ending or whatever it is. Like the South node is, is reminding us you've done this many times before. Maybe, maybe the experience has been different. Maybe it hasn't been birthing a physical child, but in your life, you you can think back to a moment when you've been tested your endurance or your will, or your, your faith has been tested in some capacity and to remember what you've learned from that experience to help bring you to this place of, of completion and power. Cause I also think of a nine as a very powerful number. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I was reading the the book that I know you love by, by T Susan Chang. And she talks mm-hmm. a lot about the number nine and the, and the, in the tarot, the, the cards that fall into a nine being that kind of precipice of, of power at, you know, it's, it's not the 10, which is the completion and the, the making things rigid and real and, um, you know, lasting the nine is like the height of potentiality. And I, I feel that with, with this eclipse too, of like, what is, what is possible for you as you're feeling that, that, that push to, to get to where you want to go. Well, and you draw upon all those lessons of the past too, with the, that nine consciousness. Yeah, you know, I've uh, read a few numerology books in the past. Uh, I really like these ones by Hans Decodes. I don't know if it's a great name for a numerologist. It but, is. Um, <laughs> he, he talks a lot about. Yeah, he talks a lot about the nine as like kind of like if you're living like a nine, there's a life path number where you mm-hmm. add all your digits up. 
you're sort of kind of having to draw upon all those past experiences and maybe even live some of the each lesson of each of the numbers because like you were saying there might be something that you've gone through before mm -hmm. um and, and you know this is something that i think if we even bring jupiter back into the conversation here you know jupiter's been hanging out for the second half of 2021 back in aquarius you know mm -hmm. tying up some untying some some loose ends you know or some old karma mm -hmm. i think that uh you know austin in his book talks a lot about the frustration that sets in in aquarius 3 because something isn't exactly the way we might want it or we're just kind of fed up with a situation yeah. and jupiter <clears throat> i think jupiter the way i've been interpreting jupiter for in people's charts is i think it offers us a an actionable thing yeah okay, because it is of the solar sect where we can take conscious action that will bring us good fortune or or honor or merit so i think that what i look at where jupiter is to say what kind of actions are going to be supported and honored right now and in in aquarius 3 it's letting go and leaving something behind so mm -hmm. that that doubles the theme with the south node eclipse here of like saying hey this is really the time to finally release that maybe that old limiting narrative um mm -hmm. something an old story an old past an old belief so that you can really be a reflection of who you are now yeah and the moment that you're living now not just who you are but the moment that you're trying to meet now yeah and if you try to meet the current moment with an old outdated narrative that's when all sorts of ills or evils or suffering starts to happen and we were talking about this with the the final decan of Scorpio too, like really this nostalgic trying to grasp on to the old form yeah. and finally needing to release it, right? Yeah, and with the fixed signs, I mean, with with Jupiter and Aquarius being a fixed sign, that can be a challenge. Yeah. Um, and and I, you know, that decan to me that Jupiter is in that last decan of Aquarius, there is the potential for bypassing mm. of, of kind of sliding over the, the, the necessary work that needs to be done in order and because of that anticipation to get to the next. Right. Um, but what I find really fascinating about Jupiter being at that 25th degree of Aquarius is this idea of, of holding two truths at the same time, multiple mm. truths. I think T. Susan Chang refers to this to the, to the seven of swords, which is the Deccan that Jupiter is in, is the card of the divided mind. Mm. And this, this feels like such a Sagittarian concept as well of, of truth and what is truth. Cause of course, that's a lot of what we, what we're, what we're seeking um, in this sign, but how are we able to hold two ideas that are so polar and feeling like, do I need to side with one or the other, or mm. can I be both? And does that make me a hypocrite for, for being able to hold two truths that are very different? Um, and it, and it kind of reflects this liminal space that I think we've all kind of been, you know, traveling through over the last two years of figuring out, well, how do I feel about this? Well, maybe my mind's changed here again, this idea of changeability, because I believe this is a lunar Deccan, mm. that, that kind of fluidness or malleability of the mind and, and our opinions and what needs to change. Because again, you know, Sagittarius can be so dogmatic about things. And that's, and that's yeah. the shadows that we're, we're talking about releasing during this eclipse of self-righteousness and, and dogmatic beliefs and holding, 
holding on to notions that maybe are no longer applicable to our life, but we've held them with faith for so long that it just feels like disappointing to let go of. So it's, it's almost like an invitation to me from Jupiter of like, how can we hold multiple truths? How can we, how can we be in that, that place of, of, um, bothness? How can we be in that uncomfortable gray area? Um, Yeah, I love that. And that's been, that feels like the themes that we've been challenged with over the course of this last lunar node cycle. You know, we have, we've had to make adjustments in real time, very quickly to new information that's coming out about Mm -hmm. various things in the news cycle, various challenges. And there's lots of different perspectives that everybody's trying to, to weigh. And I think that the, the, the ones, the folks that have gotten in a lot of trouble have been the ones that say, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. (laughs) Right. Because what they know is, is, is literally changing in real time. Yes. They, They may actually have been right about something in the past but that truth is is changing do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like that yeah that that's the thing that's been so remarkable to watch about this is that and i talk about this a lot with clients is because we're moving into the new like jupiter uh saturn conjunctions in air signs which is is the the hellenistic way of like changing of the ages like the earth age changing to the air age, I guess we could call that, mm-hmm. is that we've been f- challenged to remain flexible. We've been challenged to to say that, well, this isn't solid. This is, we're in that kind of airy type of thing where yeah. what you thought you knew isn't necessarily the way that we're going to move forward as a collective. And that that's really painful for people, especially people who have had success doing something in the old way. Right. And, and I think that what, what I think is really important as we move forward with this eclipse, it doesn't mean that you were wrong if you did something like that in the past. Mm-hmm. It, it's just that you may be required to change. That's all it is. It's just change. Right. And I think that human beings naturally resist change, yeah. um, especially when it's on such a big scale as we're experiencing now on yeah. this global, you know, universal social values scale as well and um but i think that like i said like it's kind of like get on the get on the train or you're gonna you're either gonna get left behind or you're gonna create more conflict and um i don't know disorder and chaos than than you would need to if you if people would kind of accept things i I think that the the root cause of suffering is is paddling upstream when the current has shifted in another right. direction, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, that's sort of my Taoist take on it uh, yeah. you know, on some level. Yeah. And I, I, you know, thinking about this eclipse cycle, we're clearing beliefs and truths that may have felt real for us or relevant back since, what was it, June 2020 when, when, this, when this cycle began. And this, this notion of persecution of beliefs, I feel like it's very relevant to this, Mm -hmm. this cycle. And so that is a lot of, of, I feel like what's coming up for people right now. Do I hold on to this idea that, oh, people don't like me because of my beliefs on this, or, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting ostracized because of my belief on that. And it's like, there's, they're holding so much um, identity around that persecution versus 
opening themselves up to that change like you were talking about. Exactly. <laughs> so it's that card in a nutshell. It is. It is. So um yeah, that was one thing that I'd written down just just my takeaway is just looking at the, you know, the transit for this for this eclipse on the fourth is is the persecution of beliefs and how do we let that go? And that is that is hard when you identify with being persecuted with your beliefs. I, I love that word of identity. You know, that, that's a great thing to bring into this, you know, because a lot of the times, you know, in many spiritual traditions, they're teaching becoming an observer of the ego, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we identify with our beliefs or with our ego, that that can create all those those challenges and like, oh, we're, we have to defend that egoic belief. And, you know, when we start to just see ourselves as part of I guess eternity, if I don't want to sound too cliche about it, but, but I think that it allows for fluidity because, you know, the divine is able to express itself in a myriad of different ways. And it's, mm -hmm. and, and really that flux is divinity. You know yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, I think that belief can also get into this crystallized form and we think it is something spiritual, but it's actually almost like a a, a physical thing that we're getting attached to. It's something. It's, it's something a limitation, else. right? A limitation. There you go. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's yeah, really fascinating take on that. Um, okay, so the other thing that I think we should bring into the equation here is we we do have Mercury hanging out with this eclipse here. Mm -hmm in its exile, um, right on that fixed star, Rasselgethi. So I had some notes about Mercury on this fixed star, potentially, uh, this is from Bernadette Brady and her her take on fixed stars, where um, Mercury on this fixed star could, could speak to striving for immortality, a single-mindedness, mm. moralizing, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so Mercury generally, Hermes is, is all about flexibility and communicating between right. the, the worlds. But yeah. here we have Mercury that's saying, well, I have this singular minded yeah. thing, this evangelizing, right? Yes, I, I right. think of like the televangelist with this placement <laughs> on some level. There was this this guy a few years ago. I don't know if it was even that few years ago, but when all this stuff started, he was- I know exactly. You know say, no, say, say no more, you know? Spencer. Say What's no that more. guy's name? I can't remember his name. He's terrifying. Oh my God. He's so, he's so scary. <laughs> so scary. And he was like saying, well, blow COVID away. Yeah. Yeah. With like his breath or something. Oh like it was so it was yeah. So and and he he actually I looked his birth chart up. He has Of course think, you did. He has Mercury in Sagittarius and has a, like a, a Sagittarius stellium. So, now I have Mercury in Sag, so let's just, yeah. you know. Not it's not all bad. I mean, the, <laughs> but you're but you're not on the televangelist like program like <laughs> like blowing the wind of God. No, at, oh my god. At no. some communicable disease. <laughs> so um, but it just it, that was so literal that of uh, like kind of that one particular expression. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I think that that's key because we I know we have uh, I know we have some other Mercury and Sag placements here in in the with the chat with us too, and there are ways to utilize that energy in in a positive way. Um, right. I think that you can utilize your enthusiasm to mm -hmm. be able to get people on board with your idea. Right. Share um, your passion, share your excitement. Exactly. But yeah. I think the key with this Mercury, especially being on Ras al the the kneeler, that's what they called Hercules in the sky, the kneeler, mm. is that 
you have to humble yourself first. You yes, know? If absolutely. You, if you want to claim to have wisdom, it has to be A, through, through going through trials and experience, mm-hmm. B, through, through saying, I'm surrendering to this divine will rather than I am the divine will or I am the authority, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. think, you know, there's a huge difference between those two, like be, being a channel for it rather than like feeling like you are the authority. Although yeah. we could, we could argue about the mystics take about having a spark of the divine within no, us. No, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Something that I really believe deeply since I've started this journey and since I've been in this position of offering guidance. Um, I've struggled with labeling myself as a healer because I consider myself a channel. I consider myself a facilitator of healing, but I don't take, I don't claim the healing that's occurred that that is all due to my clients or, you know, that's, that's of the individual to, to be receptive or allowing for that to happen. And so I think that's a really important delineation. Um, because it, there's ego involved when you're suddenly taking ownership of someone else's healing. Mm. And I do feel like that, that could be easily twisted with Mercury and Sag. And of course I was just, I was just giving you a hard time because (laughs) my Mercury and Sag is, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm, it makes me sad to know it's in detriment there. All However, the Mercury and Sages in the comment box are like, "Hey, hey, wait a second. <laughs> and I, and I don't, yeah. No, and and I'll, I will say that um, I have a. There is another take on traditional, um, what is dignity? Yeah, where a planet in exile can be thought of if we if we sort of modernize it to to today. It's, it's just not in alignment with the collective social accept, it's socially accepted way of doing something. Yeah. So it could be that it's just a little bit outside the norm. Um, it, it's just functioning in a slightly different way because Mercury is in Jupiter's house. And generally, mm-hmm. Jupiter likes to order things and bring yeah. things together. Whereas Mercury or Hermes likes to separate things out into categories and put things into question. So it, it, it's more of just an it's an awkwardness for mercury itself yeah. but there is a use for it and there's plenty of people i want to want to state this clearly <laughs> plenty of people out there with exiled or fallen planets that have done incredible work that have shown us a new sort of almost like hanged man perspective on a certain mm. issue so yeah. so if you have these types of placements um don't despair there may be some <laughs> some challenging things that come up because the 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 norm is a little bit different from how i think of it maybe as like a neurodivergent type of thing right where we are we we think in a slightly different way i have jupiter in exile so this is it's a similar type of vibe right where jupiter's trying to bring things together but i do it through through just smashing people over the head with like a million details, like a, like the Ju- Jupiter's version of details, right? Yeah. So here's every detail I can think of. I like that you we've know. got this like nest of trust going where we're yeah. talking about our like debilitating plans. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> well, everybody's got something in their oh, chart. Absolutely. And and I've, I it, it sometimes can feel challenging and overwhelming. I think that the challenge with like Jupiter and Virgo is more of a crisis of faith because it, I, I'd never feel like I have an answer to something like one, one answer leads to 10 more questions yeah. or a hundred more questions. Yeah. And that can feel frustrating at times. And it doesn't yeah. mean that 
we are bad people or anything because we have an exiled planet. It just means that sometimes we may experience that energy in a, in, in a frustrating way until we learn to harness it in the way that is productive. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Jackie's saying Mercury and Sag squirrel easily distracted. <laughs> oh my, totally, totally. I have ADHD. So like, I feel like that's just the epitome here of Mercury and Sag. And I'm, when I'm in a conversation, I'm all about the big picture. Right. So I need help with the details. And I think that's really just how that applies kind of in my daily modern life. And probably the other Mercury and Sag people can say that too. I think there is a, a visionary quality of kind of being able to see the potential, the possibility, these larger patterns and, and relational aspects. And then it's like, yeah, where, where are the, de- where are the details? Eh. Well, yeah, that's well. why you're here today. We're, we're yeah. good compliments <laughs> to one another. Yeah, today, exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, you can help context- contextualize all my uh, little minutiae that yeah. I share here today. Yes. Um, all right. So we are looking at Mercury. We, I think we've, we've kind of discussed Mercury's role within this. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to just touch on before we move on to the next phase of this is I was, you know, this isn't something that I noticed right away, but it, I think it bears discussing is the host of this lunation is receiving an overcoming square from Mars. Yeah. So I think that that's actually part of what the, if we, if we had to look at the challenging part of this eclipse, I think that anytime you have a, a Mars, you know, overcoming square of any planet, that's going to be a difficult thing to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so this may be there. There may be some some challenges with. I think uh, that Seven of Cups card that Mars in Scorpio three speaks to is, you know, hanging on to the past and the mm-hmm. illusion of and glamorizing a form that is no longer vital. So, yeah. I think that we may have to separate from that illusion to be able to leap into the unknown that Jupiter is asking us to do. And that may feel, we may feel a little tension. We may feel a little friction with that because we've got a, a square, but I sometimes think squares can be, you know, like this Deccan Sag too, where it's the friction or the heat that helps us to actually create motion. I think of like yeah. tires, the rubber meeting the road that yes. helps us move forward. So um, keep your eyes out for that. Try not to get too attached to um, an, an old illusion potentially, mm-hmm. or some kind of old form that maybe at one point gave you life, but if you're holding on to it now, it, it's only bringing you suffering. <laughs> like, yeah, so. yeah. I think of this energy, the, the, the square here is, it's like this eclipse is encouraging us to be expansive mm-hmm. without blame. We don't need to be blaming ourselves. We don't need to be blaming other people. Um, Let's not hold on to regret. Let's not hold on to fear because with that Mars and Scorpio too, there is the, the potential, like you're saying, to hold on to things, especially fears related to jumping into the unknown, starting this new cycle, also letting go, you know, there is fear. Um, There's a very real fear for people of letting go of things that even if they're not healthy for us, there are comfort blankets, you know, right. there are, there right. is security. And so, um, I do feel like this is also suggesting forgiveness, mm-hmm. forgive, forgiveness of self. There could be forgiveness of other people, how we've treated other people, how we've judged other people based on their beliefs. Um, and kind of accepting again, this liminal space of the in-between of rightness and wrongness. Yeah. Um, 
So that's just my two cents here. No, I, I love it. And, and great advice as far as like staying centered within this energy and, and remaining flexible and, you know, moving with the changes for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and just to, to wrap on this here, we, you know, we're letting go before Jupiter gains a whole mess of dignity moving into Pisces, right. where it's going to be moving extremely fast through the beginning of 2022. Like it goes through the entirety of Pisces from the end of December until the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. And then it's, then it's out. And, and to me, that's, you know, Jupiter and Pisces is going to be like, well, what really are you drawing? What dream are you drawing upon that will animate your reality? What, what, matrix of i don't know i I always like the matrix for this like yeah for for jupiter and pisces where it's like oh you finally realize that you have some spiritual power Mm -hmm. that you can create with if you go internal and realize that there is this underlying connection with things and I, i really do feel like this particular lunation is setting us up so that we can manifest a dream very quickly over the course of Jupiter and Pisces. So yeah. it, the, the only thing that's gonna be blocking you, I think in 2022 to manifesting a long cherished ideal is holding on to the past. <laughs> you know? Right, it's yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I've been, I've definitely been going through this personally too, just thinking about, I don't know, I have a long held dream to, to buy a home and, and there's a lot of old narratives about worthiness and and about like you know how i organize my life and i'm having to do that the last the, these last few weeks and think about well i gotta shift how i think about these things completely yeah. if i want to manifest that next stage of of evolution and um or the next day of the the journey and i don't know i i have mixed feelings about even just the the word evolution but i think that whatever the next thing in the in the path is yeah I agree. And I, um, yeah, the whole, our own block is, is really the only block. Um, and I, the mind is going quick here. Um, Mm. the thought about clearing out, it's like clearing out the cobwebs, making room for something. It's, um, it's, it's like the ghosts in the closet, the skeletons in the closet that we've become, that we've become comfortable with. It's like having that company and whether that's the victim mentality, the, the scarcity mindset, um, you know, feeling actually okay with having people judge us. Like, again, there are people that would rather feel like the victim or to feel like they're in the outskirts than to feel like they're maybe compromising a part of themselves to fit in. Um, but there's always a different way to look at it. And I do think that that is kind of the Sagittarian gift is like, how do you want to, how, how can you shape this perspective to work for you instead of against you? Totally. Um, how, how can you take those beliefs and, and shape or move or, or recreate them in a way that's going to support you instead of debilitate you? Absolutely. Well said, Hannah. Well said. All right. Should we move on to the first quarter? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm looking in the chat. We've got a lot of folks that are sharing their exiled and and fallen placements. Um, you are all welcome here and I'm glad that you're here with (laughs) us today. (laughs) All right. So we are moving ahead to the 10th of December where we are going to see, uh, a square 
between the sun and the moon. And this is called the first quarter moon. There it is exactly at 19 degrees of Pisces and 19 degrees of Sagittarius. So any thoughts about this, uh, this pivotal point within our <laughs> unfolding here? I do. I have a couple of things that stuck out to me. Um, I do really like the sun squaring both Neptune and Mercury or the sun squaring um, Neptune and Mercury and being a sextile with Jupiter, because I do Mm -hmm. feel like this could be really creative, quite inspiring energy, um, uh, expansive. I like that. I like that together. Um, But then we've also got this, you know, Venus and Pluto situation that's also happening. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's starting to kind of kick off what, what is going to be coming up for us during Venus retrograde. Um, <clears throat> I also think too, like this back and forth pull of like needs and desires versus something that's, um, something that, that, that we're leaving room to happen versus what I feel like I need right now. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Um, you, you you tell me, you tell me what you're thinking here too. Cause I've, I've got, I've got a lot of like ideas that are spinning as well about like the moon's placement. Um, I think that this moon, you know, Pisces too, to me is, there's a progression in the Pisces decans where you, for the eight of cups, the, the mm-hmm. first decan of Pisces, we, we sort of have this dissatisfaction with material reality that forces us to go off on a pilgrimage of some sort, an internal journey to find our meaning again. And in the second decan, so we have a Saturn decan and then a Jupiter decan right here, where mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we found our, our purpose. And it's, this is sort of like a making the wish come true deck in on some level. Mm, yeah, yeah. But, but also there is a, a sort of a secondary meaning there too, where you have to be careful in this deck in that you aren't overestimating your abilities. I, I like to also yeah. call this the sorcerer's apprentice deck in um, because there is a fixed star fairly close to here called a Chernar, which has some significations with the story of Phaethon, the, the son of Apollo that wanted to drive the chariot of the sun and, and really wasn't ready and ended up getting shot down by Zeus with a thunderbolt and drowning in a river. Um, and, and then there's another story with, with Austin Kopic's book where he talks about Dolos, the, the apprentice to Prometheus, who was the creator of man, who, who Prometheus created man from clay in this story. And he left for some reason. And then Dolos was like, I'm going to make my own little figure. <laughs> but, he, but he ran out of clay and he, there was no feet. So, uh, you know, but Prometheus was very flattered at this and said, oh, I'm going to fire both of these figures. And one became Aletheia, which was, translates to truth, Prometheus's. Mm-hmm. And, and Dolos, is, uh, it, it translated to uh, pseudologos, which is, is falsehood. So... Right. We have truth okay. and falsehood. <laughs> so, so there is this kind of, we're trying to get in touch with the fact that our spiritual ideal is always going to have some kind of, uh, it's not going to be perfect. There's an imperfection that we're coming mm. to terms with in, in Pisces too. And I think <clears> here we could feel that tension, especially with the conjunction with, with Neptune where we're like, oh, yeah, this vision, it's got to be perfect. And, and we may have to come to terms with the fact 
that it's not always going to be exactly how we picture it internally because there are certain rules to physical manifestation that we have to follow. And I think that that really plays well with the Venus uh, Pluto conjunction, AKA the, the retrograde we're going to be getting close to. Um, mm -hmm. Cause we're going to be really having to, to uh, reimagine how we are administrating the plan the blueprint you know you and i were talking about yeah. this the other day like in a in the dms mm -hmm. on instagram you, you've got a project going on <laughs> yeah. right what do you got going on right here? with me with the project yeah 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 with uh, my if you, with, if you with want my house it. yeah oh yeah so we're yeah so i'm moving um i'm moving this summer and we're we're building a new house which is yeah. no big deal yeah. <laughs> for, for a Taurus rising, no, no big deal. <laughs> like, yeah. But we were, yeah, we, were, we were talking it's about totally fine. it was so literal because, you know, you were saying right. you've already yes. got the foundation going and, but potentially there could be a shift to the blueprint due to maybe right. something coming up where the plan needs to be slightly adjusted, you know, and, right. and Venus is going to retrograde all the way back to 11 degrees of Capricorn. And that Deccan has to do with working with others on a very ornate structure. Um, and we can think of this metaphorically mm -hmm. too, like, like what is the goal that you're you know, going towards? And there may be some readjustments that have to be made to the actual structural plan before you can move forward with that, that dream. Um, yeah. And, and I could hear the, this, the like exhaustion in Hannah's voice about it. She's like, yeah, but, I'm like, talk to me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what I was kind of feel, so now we've, now that you've nicely clarified, I feel like my Mercury mind, mm -hmm. my Sagittarian mind can kind of come back to some more clear, clear details here. Um, I feel like this is aligning desires with fate. And kind of accepting that there's only so much that we can do in terms of preparing and creating and structuring before we kind of have to let the rest go. Yeah. And, you know, I forgot that my, my moon is in this decan. Oh, I have a Pisces go. moon in this decan. And so when oh, you're no. talking about the, you know, the, the, the mythological references, I was like, Oh, I remember this from our fixed star conversation. Yes. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is circling back for me. Um, and so I do feel like there is a joyous anticipation with the moon in this decade. There is a hopefulness and like um, a wish upon a star, right. but there's also, it's, it, it's also make a wish and then let go of the expectation of how that yeah. wish will come to you. And so even talking about, you know, the example with us building a house and, and moving, of course, the wish is the house. We're aligning ourselves with with our desires. We're we're creating the you know the blueprint, making sure everything was within our budget and all of those you know practical pieces. Mm -hmm. But then, in terms of when it's going to be done, you know, we live in the Midwest, so some of that it's going to be at the fate of of Weather, yeah. winter, right? Yeah. Of of yeah. of all of that, um, and then you know, building supplies and, and supplies with just general resources right now. So some of that stuff we have to just let go of. We still hold on to this hope and this wish that this is going to be what it's going to be. And there's a, there's a joyous, I think, anticipation of how that's going to come together. But being so fixated on how it's going to be delivered, I think, is what can crush I love that. It. I love yeah, it. You're the perfect guest. You're the perfect guest for this lunation, Hannah, because you li you've lived these <laughs> placements, you know, and yeah, I, I really like your description of Pisces too, and your lived experience of it, because it's so 
um, it's so much the antithesis to, you know, my own experience having a Virgo stellium where I said, this is, I have to have it this way. Yeah. <laughs> Get fixated on having it this way. Yeah. Whereas here, it, it is more like, like, I think what you're saying is almost like the let go and let God type of thing, right? Where you have a vision, but it is. I, I yeah. love that there's a, a final piece that you don't have to control, you know, that you say, oh, yeah. well, the divine is going to take care of that part of it. If I have faith, if I yeah. let go, if I trust in the, I don't know, the power of Neo in the Matrix to be able to like, you know, dodge <laughs> Make it the happen, bullets, yeah. <laughs> you know, like learn Kung Fu or whatever. Um, and I, 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 you you bring up a great point about like, you know, the weather, things out of our control. Um, and, and also, you know, there's been a lot of rumblings that we're having difficulty with supply chains right now. And mm -hmm. that's one of the reason why houses are so expensive uh, right now is because it, it is hard to get resources from point A to point B because there's just literally not enough workers in these warehouses to, to move stuff around. Mm -hmm. So so this is one of the things where people have been talking about order all your Christmas stuff early because there may be delays in delivery because there's just right. literally like just stuff sitting in warehouses that isn't being delivered because mm -hmm. there's, there's nobody to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really not anybody's fault that's just like a an issue with the the bureaucratic something with the bureaucratic system that is needing to be changed like you know P pluto in the third decan of capricorn is saying hey there's some there's some the ways that we administrate resources probably has some corruption involved in it and it needs to be blown up a little bit and exposed to the light and, and changed um and i think that this is something that will, will come into play with America's Pluto return that we're kind mm -hmm. of experiencing now too. Yeah. You know, going, yeah. Coming to terms with that and all the yeah. arguments we're having about how to govern our country and, and things like that. So, yeah, I do find too, with this, um, the first quarter moon, the sun has moved into is moving into the third decan of Sagittarius, which is yeah. Saturn ruled. Right. And so I also think of this, like this, like workaholic, kind of push this, like the, that last decan of, mm -hmm. of Sag being like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 10 of wands. That workaholic card. It's like, you're depriving yourself of what you actually need. And mm -hmm. also kind of knowing like, when is too much, when is excessive. And so I feel like the sun being in that position really lights up these themes that are going to be coming in during the, the Venus retrograde in conjunction with Pluto of what are we feeling temptation, like temptation towards in our life? Like in terms of material goods, it could be like works of art, valuable things, luxury items, um, cash, money, but it's more like, what do you need versus yeah. what are you desiring? Yeah. Um, and I think just with it on the, the brim of the holiday season too, it's, it's that, that mentality that a lot of people get, especially as Americans of like, I need to have, I need to have this gift for my kid. Yeah. You know, it's got to be this one or like, I have to acquire this one thing for the holidays because it's be all end all. And we, we become really obsessed and fixated on things, which so I feel stressful. like, oh my God, it's yeah. the worst. Yeah. But I feel like that obsession can be those, those, those underworld themes that Pluto is digging up with Venus about like, what are you obsessing over? That's really not a reflection of your heart's true desire. It's more of a mental, it could be a mental block. It could be just like, um, 
feelings of unworthiness. And so you're like, if I just acquire this one thing, then my life will feel better. Then I'll feel more worthy. My ear is ringing as I'm saying this right now. So I feel like this is an important message. Um, so the fact that this is all happening, of course, in a Saturn ruled sign of Capricorn and the sun during the first quarter moon being in a Saturn ruled Deccan makes a lot of that like acquisition of these kind of goods and stuff feel more restrictive, or at least is giving us the, the space and the mindset to consider, is this where you want to be focusing your time and your energy? Mm. Um, is this practical for you right now? What is the ease of actually getting the stuff into your life? And truly what difference is it going to make here? So that could be a little bit challenging too. And I feel like that does also play into those lunar qualities of, aligning your desires with fate, having a wish and just kind of letting go of how it's going to come to you. Is it going to come via Amazon because you asked for prime shipping (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, are you just letting it go, you know, on this bigger hope and dream that it's going to just arrive in its right time. And that's hard. Yeah. You know, and that, and that third deck in a Capricorn is that's the four of pentacles where we are sitting literally on a throne of matter. And is that like the government structures yeah, and government yeah. structures, bureaucracies, yeah. but also like feeling like we want power over like the material world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a, it's a solar decan mm-hmm. and it's like, it's a solar decan in a Saturn ruled sign. So it's almost like the, the flip of the, of the, um, the Sagittarian, you know, Saturn mm-hmm. ruled decan with the sun there. Um, and we're trying to, I just think of like Venus. Venus is also kind of like where are we, what do we want? You know, you you know yeah. you've been you know really hitting the nail on the head with that. And maybe we have to, you know, revisit those desires and and say, just you know, I'm just summarizing what you just said. You said it perfectly. Do we really need it? Mm-hmm. Is this really a reflection of of who we are now? do we is it because we want to feel the respect of being powerful or to be like 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 we are creating abundance through materiality or is it really about and this is something that i think about a lot at this time of year because i i get really i get turned off by the materialism of christmas in america i i I really hate uh the end of the year like blitzkrieg Uh, i i just can't go out and shop and do that stuff (laughs) I mean, <clears throat> you know, and it's, it's hard for me mm-hmm. and it's not that I don't like stuff. I like, I have a Taurus moon, but just the whole, like all the activity in a time period that I think is really naturally inclined towards rest and reflection. Yeah. It just, just feels so off to me. Yeah. And it's, it's consumption. It's, it's obsession with consumption instead of right. the internal consumption of um, thoughts and feelings and reflections and Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. And, and and don't get me wrong. Like, I think that I'm not a complete materialist denier. I, I, I have my own material desires and I think that it's okay to have a balance between the physical and the spiritual world, but, um, it's, it's really, that's the key word though, balance mm-hmm. and yeah. don't mistake your love for that present or that physical thing. Yeah, there are many ways to express your love during this holiday season. Sometimes just with your your presence, mm-hmm. or with your uh, with your words, with mm-hmm. your love, whatever it is, 
you know, I, I, and I think that that's really important to remember, especially when we're going to see Venus retrograding with Pluto, is that we may get really frustrated that we can't express our love materially because that's the way we've been trained to do it in, in this late stage capitalism society. Yeah. So you may have to find new ways to tell someone you love them this year, which right. what an opportunity that is. What an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> right. And maybe that's the message of the first quarter moon too, is yeah. pushing yourself to um express those sentiments sincerely. Mm-hmm. And you know, what is what does it mean to be sincere with your love? What does it mean to be authentic with your compassion? Um, you know, how, how big can your love be versus your, you know, your physical gift giving? Um, absolutely. Okay. Very good. Very good. Anna. we're getting some nice, (laughs) some nice comments in the chat here. Um, talking a lot about Jupiter and Pisces. We have a lot of good, uh, high fives for you, Hannah, and your reflections. Oh, thank you. So you're doing, you're doing great. Um, let's, uh, let's keep going. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm just going to briefly touch on the full moon because we'll, we'll see what this uh, lunation is yeah. bringing us towards. I'm going to do another live stream probably the week of the 18th, mm-hmm. um, but I would like to kind of just maybe get some initial thoughts so we can see what we're going to be heading towards from the square to the full moon here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my initial thought is that this third decan of, of Gemini is really about the the need to make a choice to to let go of some options you know we've got remember we had that third decan of sagittarius with the mm-hmm. carrying all the sticks you know mm-hmm. the, the i call that the barn eager decan where <laughs> we're we're really close to the finish line and we just have to just make that big final push yeah but when we get to this third decan of Gemini, that's the last decan before the summer solstice. Isn't that where, a cozy image? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> so reassuring, isn't it? <laughs> so cozy. I mean, it's, it's it's such an opposite to this card, right. though. It's like, oh, it we have the strength to carry on, and this figure is like, nope. You're dead. <laughs> You're dead. You can't yeah. do it anymore. It's literally like a night and day. I mean, the, yeah. there's the blue sky in in the first card, and there's a night sky in the second. So the, you yeah. know, even even the the range of where the sun is and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've got that Jupiter, um, influence. I mean, this is a, just in general, this, this lunation has really heavy Jupiter influence, which I feel like for as challenging as a lot of these themes are of of dealing with (laughs) dogma, self-righteousness, desire, Mm -hmm. greed, we have this uplift of this very futuristic Jupiter that I find to be quite hopeful. Um, you know, let's be honest, he's a little bit idealistic as well, but, um, there is a feeling of uplift, I think, with the full moon. And while we do have, you know, Venus stationing retrograde, like what, a few, few hours later within that full moon, does she station retrograde later that day? Like like literally a few hours later. So I I think it is the 19th, but it's, you know, this, this full moon is happening at 1135 PM in Eastern standard time. So Right. I mean, Venus is slowing to a halt on this full moon and getting ready to go backwards. Right. So there are those kind of, you know, underlying underworldly themes bubbling up a little, maybe below the surface, but I don't get the feeling like this full moon in particular feels yucky. (laughs) There's my mom word. (laughs) Doesn't feel (laughs) yucky. (laughs) 
That's the most Midwestern mom word ever. Oh. Isn't it? I just, I can't help it. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I do feel like there is an uplift. There's a very social aspect as well, because of course, Jupiter in, in Aquarius and then the moon in Gemini, there's, there's those, the, those social themes of sharing ideas and, and, um, you know, wanting to connect. And then we have Mercury, which is ruling the full moon in Capricorn. That is like, we got to be responsible here too. Like as we're pushing, pushing into the, 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 the last part of the year. And like, this is like the week before Christmas too. Um, and I believe what's Mercury squaring Chiron. Um, yeah, there's a Mercury Chiron square And, and it's great to bring Mercury into that because that's really the host of the, the moon. Right. And Mercury's going to be hanging out in Capricorn one, right on a fixed star called Fosses, which is the like the eye of the archer, where we're really like really focused ruthlessly on a goal. <laughs> and like, and uh, that first decan is really about weighing the pros and cons of a physical area to start building our I don't know structures and empires. Mm, okay. So we may be really like weighing the pros and cons of what do we want to do next? What are, where do we want to end up? Yeah. And, and you know, I think with this third decan of Gemini, it's time to make a choice. It's time you can't keep all the options going right. juggled. You have to make a sacrifice so that you know one. You know this this brings in the themes of Castor and Pollux, the twins, where one mm-hmm. of the twins had to give up some of his time on Mount Olympus so that the other could live. Um, so so I like to I always say this with this decan: don't necessarily just think about it as don't get fixated on the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like really look at what you're breathing life into by giving mm-hmm. up those other options, right? I love that. Yeah. By being able to say, okay, yes, I'm, I'm saying yes to this because it's my, it's my 100% yes, rather than all these other things that aren't, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm seeing that Lisa has bought a super chat. Thank you, Lisa, for the super sticker, super chat. There is a little function in in the chat now on YouTube where you can um, hit that little dollar sign and make a donation to the show. So thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate your support. Uh, I always am so grateful for all of you that are supporting the work that, that we're doing here. Um, okay. So Venus retrograding around this, this full moon, make a choice. Yep. Maybe rest <laughs> your mind a little bit. I don't know, but this is that. This is really that that date where we're where we're feeling all the pressure. Like, oh God, we got to travel. We got to. Yeah. We got to go to you know grandmas. We got to go to moms. We got to go to dads. You know, like it's like we have to visit everyone. Maybe you just need to go one place or or no places. <laughs> like, yeah. You know that's always an option too, and you know there's many ways to like I said to share your love with people. And yeah, I think I, that for me, uh, I think it's more about letting go of the hallmark, you know, idealism around it. That's just, yeah, it's never happened for me. I didn't have my, my hallmark movie moment. I'll let that go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, and I come from a family that, that was divorced. So like having to choose where we're going and like things like that, it was always painful. And you always yeah. felt like you were, you know, choosing one over the other or something like that. And I think that a lot of people have that experience sometimes. And sometimes you just have to say, you know, Hey, we're, this is what we're doing this year and being okay with that. And, and it's not personal, you know, like, yeah, so. I think that's, I think that, that, that speaks to me of the energy with, 
Mercury Chiron. And when I was looking at the full moon, something that came to me very much about what you were speaking with, with, with this leading up to the, the Christmas holiday or just the holidays in general, that this is a time of year that is sold and is being, you know, is being showcased as a celebration, as a happy time of year, the most joyous time of year. And that sounds great for most of us. Mm. However, this can be some of the most devastating weeks for, for some people. This can yeah. really bring out um, weaknesses in relationships. This can emphasize family wounds. And so to me, that Mercury and Chiron piece is reminding us as we are getting ready to gather that words can hurt and they can heal. And so also what choices do you have here? Um, you know, are you going to make a decision to sit at great aunt Mabel's table and knowing that she's going to completely degrade you and make comments about your, you know, the fact that, you know, I don't know, whatever, or, or you can also use this opportunity. Are there things that you have that have been left unsaid that maybe could build, you know, in that constructive, that first decade of, of Capricorn, they could help build a stronger family bond that could help, you know, create a foundation that's going to feel really good moving forward. Maybe there's something that needs to be reconciled. Um, and, and again, that the Gemini influence of choices and just making a choice, or at least, at least considering how we're communicating and sharing and connecting this time of year in particular can be uplifting and healing and, and so beautiful. And it can also be really devastating and mm. hard. Um, so yeah. And you know, an Anias, and is that how I say it? And Anias, A-N-A-I-S is says that relaxing expectations from the holidays, it's more about uh, reflection than party. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, as we move towards a more reflective contemplative path and come into alignment i think with i think for me it's coming into alignment with the seasons and, and yes. with nature yeah uh, and that's actually another theme that bernard brady talks about with ross algethi the, the 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 hercules stars is coming into the cycles of nature and in respecting a natural order mm -hmm. and and as i've grown in that it, it does tell me that hey it's yeah it's okay to slow down this isn't the time to force things this isn't the time to like you know go crazy and like and th that to me is that's not a reflection of like the season itself it's a reflection of a narrative that we've been forced to you know accommodate that probably isn't healthy you know like yeah yeah um so anyway uh, and so that being said, there's another comment here that's talking about the beautiful oils from Third Coast Mojo. <laughs> like, so, which, so, which so. Thank, thank you, Dippy, for, for giving us a plug here. I, I yeah. recently had my partner, Tanya Andrews, on uh, for the, the Astrology of December, and we were hawking her wares. Um, so with all of the reflective stuff that was said, if you want to buy her oils for gifts, they do make great gifts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the irony <laughs> of all this. Like, just had to laugh at myself sometimes, but you know, totally. th that is the struggle though, isn't it? Like, yeah. like really trying to balance out finding meaning, but surviving in this environment that we're in. And sometimes we do have to make compromises mm -hmm. to survive in this culture that we are a part of that hasn't quite started to completely change to something that is more reflective of 
a spiritual value rather than maybe a material one. Mm-hmm. And and I find myself struggling with that all the time. Yeah. Is how, how do I be true to my integrity within this system that I don't completely agree with? You know, like, and, and that's uh, some of that is like, well, you want to be self-employed, you, you'd sometimes have to like figure out how to get paid for your work and sell something every once in a while. Um, but again, temperance, I think, is the key, right? Yeah. And how do you, how do you deal with that? That's a tough one, um, especially because my midheaven is in Capricorn. And so, mm. uh, you know, th- something that I've come to accept is that it is the easiest to sell per se when we are in our true alignment. Yeah. Because when we're speaking in our authentic voice, <clears throat> when we are shining our light in the way that it is most honorably shown, that's what people are magnetized to. And so it takes a lot of the work and the distrust of trying to be something that we're not. And I think honestly, at least in my life experience, what I've recognized or what I've learned to embrace about my Capricorn midheaven is that so long as I am showing up to do the work that is reflective or an extension of me, then Mm. I am welcoming being paid for that. I want to be paid to be myself because I can't imagine doing it any other way. So energy exchange, right? If you're giving giving authentically of yourself, that's, you know, that's the currency of exchange right now. So yeah, I I like that. And and that's something that I've had to learn to come to terms with, you know, being a more self-directed type person and learning to learning to receive and and feel okay with exchanging energy rather than um, always falling on the sword, (laughs) you know, like, and that's yeah. something that we have to work on as as spiritual practitioners who are very empathetic. And I think that that is, that is a difficult thing to come to terms with sometimes. Um, and it's oh, yeah. different for everyone. Like sometimes we f- we can feel unworthy of, of receiving due to our past conditioning, um, you know, f- being made felt guilty if we own our families yeah. or things like that. So uh, try not to let your families, you know, do a number on you over the holidays or, or if you're a spiritual practitioner, like you don't have to explain yourself to them all the time either. No. That's what, the other thing I'm no. learning. No, you don't. But I will say something that I have really learned to lean into is to, um, so long as I'm also embracing what I'm doing and not feeling like, Oh, maybe I don't want to tell people I'm a psychic medium and I'm an astrologer Mm. because I'm afraid of what they're going to say. When I show up and I'm just embracing myself, I find that it feels so much easier and it's, it's not perpetuating, um, a falsity that maybe I'm just holding onto in my mind versus it being actually something that I have to deal with. And yeah, and you, you can be yourself unapologetically without feeling being an asshole. To, right. You don't have to be an <laughs> asshole about it. You don't have to even be defensive. Like exactly. I've had I've had some conversations with friends or family where I I felt the need to constantly explain what I did or convince mm. them. And then there mm-hmm. came a point where I was like, uh, if this isn't for you, that's okay. You you can go your own way and I can go mine, but I'm not gonna invest any more energy in like trying to convince you that what we're doing here is legitimate or not like if that's not your thing that's all right you know right. And, and we should allow each other that you know that space 100 you know and i think that that's actually a great lead-in for the uh the end of this where we are looking at some other divinatory methods i'm going to stop yeah. my share here um and and actually before we go on to that 
The other thing that is happening is just the, the Saturn-Uranus square is the big canvas that everything is going on. We're going to be still building to that at the end of the year where tradition can't, versus, you know, like the new, right? Invention. Can't forget about that fun. <laughs> right. So we'll I'm see. really, I'm really curious, honestly, to see how that um, manifests because, you know, there is, it, I always just kind of like chuckle a little bit. And I don't laugh at people's, you know, pain or suffering, but when we reflect and see how literal astrology can be sometimes like you and I were talking about with, with the Venus and, um, the, the Venus piece with this, with this lunar cycle and us building our house and the contract and everything. And we think back to our first Saturn Uranus square in February. And that's when Texas was having their horrible winter storm and their power grid literally got shut down. And that was a literal expression of Saturn Uranus square. And well, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again because it did happen again in the the July one. We saw a similar theme happening, right? Right. So, I'm tra- what was it in July? It's like something. It was either in the West Coast or in Texas where there was something like like the power grid was going down maybe because of heat waves or something like. Oh, that. right, right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it is just um, it's it's a it's a challenge with it being like right on the Christmas holiday, but I mean, we're, we're still feeling that influence anyway, and that's going to continue. Um, and I just wanted to, I know you already took the the screen down, but I also wanted to, wanted to point out with Mars, something that I kept my eye on with, with this, uh, with the eclipse, if we bring it back to the beginning for a second, Mars during the eclipse is at 23 degrees of Scorpio. Mm -hmm. And he will hit the degree of the eclipse, that 12 degrees of Sag on December 31st, which is right around the time that Jupiter is ingressing into Pisces. So I do find that quite interesting that at the end of the year, we've got this kind of reactivation of those eclipse energies while Jupiter is gaming this gain domicile in, in Pisces. So that might be something just kind of to keep our eye on towards the end of the yeah, year. I'm just kind of clicking it forward here. Yeah. Gr- great observation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we, cause we see those themes coming up with just different planetary impulses, yeah. you know, activating those points. Um, yeah. So maybe this is a time where we're ready to take action on what we're, you know, I don't know, initiating around this period of time by the end of the year when, Jupiter frees us up a little bit potentially. Yeah. And so maybe that full moon, you know, maybe by the first quarter moon, we're kind of wrestling and confronting with, um, you know, this idea of what's, what is our desires? What do we really need right now? How are we either letting go of expectations of how those things are going to be received Mm -hmm. moving into the full moon, then kind of being concrete about let's make a decision and kind of get the get the structural element going, um, and share some ideas about that. And then by the end of the year, we've got Mars activating that that twelfth degree of, of Sagittarius, and maybe that's when we're feeling ready to take that big leap of faith. Um, we're ready to just to just go out there to do it. Um, yeah, take it take an action on that that yeah. intention. Mm-hmm. And, and that's you know we're going to be seeing the 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 uh, Saturn Uranus square perfecting very close to that period of time as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, hang in there folks, you know, like clear the decks for the next few weeks, yeah. you know, figure out what you really want, release the old narratives. And we've got a few more kind of things that yes. will hopefully contextualize this We, I think that what I like about astrology is we can see what types of experiences we might have. Mm-hmm. And I like 
the tarot and the I Ching and the animals to be like, okay, here's maybe some more lenses or viewpoints that may be able to give you ways to either act or to handle it or things mm-hmm. like that. So we have, first of all, the the hexagram that we have for this lunation is number 36, which translates to darkening of the light, the crying pheasant. It's also called eclipse in some translations. So I thought that was pretty perfect. That is very um, interesting. Other people talk about it as hiding one's light, brilliance, injured, or keeping a low profile, uh, censorship, or hiding your feelings. There's a story with this hexagram that I really like and resonate with, where they talk about in the end of the, the Shang dynasty in ancient China, uh, there was a, a fall of a, you know an empire, and a, a corrupt leader took over for a virtuous one. And there was a prince that was one of the last vir- remaining virtuous people in the court. And while everybody was uh, partying and getting drunk and like going crazy, he was like, like, oh, what do I do? And they got so wasted that they couldn't remember what day it was. This is how the story goes. And, and they were like, go ask Prince G what day it is. And, and he, instead of like revealing himself as someone who was the only person who wasn't really in alignment with their corruption, he had to feign madness or feign drunkenness so that he didn't reveal himself as being somebody outside of their way of thinking, because in that time that would have led to his death. Mm. So, so I think that there is, as much as we've been talking about, let your freak flag fly, you know, <laughs> and you don't have to like defend yourself to everyone. There is some messaging here about, you know, not forcing a confrontation potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, about keeping your brilliance somewhat veiled for survival purposes. I do think that camouflage was something that came in with this too, because the animal that we have is the stick insect, which is like really, it's all about camouflage. It's all about blending in. Yeah. Um, You know, they talk about stick insect as they they actually lay their eggs in a number of different places so that they're not all uh, eaten up by one predator. Yeah, it really speaks to that North Node in Gemini, where don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't get so fixated on one idea that, yeah. that you are, you know, causing yourself to suffer. Right. I really resonate with the stick bug. My North Node is in Gemini, and um, I oftentimes will leave my keys in the refrigerator and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you are you my are you my animal totem? I, I love you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, the other things that the stick bug can do, I actually have a list of things here. I I was looking up these stick bug facts. They can regenerate their limbs. So sometimes they will. Oh, I um, can't do that. (laughs) Well, well, not physically, but maybe metaphorically you can, you know? So, so think (laughs) about the lesson, the lesson of detachment, right? Where if something's Mm -hmm. not working, you know, detach from that. And then eventually you'll be able to regrow something in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. They can also reproduce parthenogenetically, which means that they can produce without uh, a male. So that sometimes the, the, the species will just be able to produce from one from one sex. Um, so maybe this speaks to being uh, independent where you don't necessarily have to like get someone's rely. approval or rely on yeah. someone else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
they their eggs resemble seeds and sometimes they will lay their eggs in like near an ant colony where the ants will bring them into the ant colony oh. and protect them because they'll eat part of it and then just toss them in the garbage pile and then they'll just oh. have like the protection of the ants um so i thought that That's was kind of cool. fascinating yeah and the nymphs eat their molted skin i thought that was oh. perfect for this so that is that you is you molt the skin that's actually going to help feed you into the next cycle. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just lay low. You don't have to get into a big confrontation. There may be some circumstances mm -hmm. around that may be out of alignment with your beliefs or your integrity. I don't think this is the time to, to die on a hill, you know, especially with no. Jupiter in the third decade of, of Aquarius. Yeah. This is really the time where it says, okay, bygones be bygones, you go your way, I'm going to go mine. Doesn't mean I have to agree or acquiesce to the thing that I don't mm -hmm. believe in. But for your own safety and protection, you don't have to go to war over it, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. And um, I actually looked up to see, I love human design and how it can support a lot of the more practical and, you know, interpretations of astrology and the sun and this eclipse falls in gate five, which in human design is all about universal rhythms, surrendering to universal rhythms. And it's about patience as a virtue and patience being a guide in order to bring us to a place of being uncompromisingly clear about what it is that we want in the future. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel like that speaks to a lot of those kind of Venus and Pluto um, themes that we're going to be, you know, getting more heavily tied into later this year. But it is about trusting in the flow of just kind of the river of life right now. And yeah. not like, as you were talking about earlier, trying to climb up the, you know, climb up the stream or fight against the current. It's more about accepting that this is the rhythm of the universe at this time. Those times it could be challenging for you. Maybe this is a, maybe this is a beautiful time in your life. You know, whatever the chapter is to let it just be that and to honor the unique patterns. And again, that, that rhythm that is coming in for you, not fighting against it, but being a part of that seems mm. really relevant to, to again, also kind of coming in, coming into a new nodal axis next year, uh, which will be in the fixed signs, which is not really, you know, it's, it's less about flow. Um, in fact, kind of feel like it's more cementing into a lot of that Saturn Uranus stuff, but we'll save that for another conversation. Mm. But it's again, the flow between these two, these two axes is, is um, it's kind of a dance right now, again, in between yeah. two worlds. Yeah. On the precipice of some kind of new reality for all of us, aren't we? And, you know, we when, we're, when we're venturing into the unknown, this is something else that the I Ching says a lot is, is that if you're venturing into territory that is unknown or unfamiliar, sometimes it is better to kind of keep uh, a low profile before, so that you can kind of understand the rules of the new, you know, place, the new system and, yeah. you, you know, let, let it unfold, you know, cause if you go in with this old story, you could, you could put yourself in danger by making a mistake you know, trying to do something in, in the old way. And then, you know, mm -hmm. that could lead to a disaster potentially. So live into the answers, right? Yeah. <laughs> let, the, let the flow, yeah. let the flow that, come. That seems like an antidote for, um, you know, the shadowy Sag side 
is like humble yourself mm -hmm. to learn something new and accept that you're not the expert about all of it. And even the, the wisdom that you do have, you don't need to be putting it on banners all over the place because then you're going to be perceived as a fanatic or right. as dogmatic or, or intolerant of opposition, which I feel like is really relative to what we are feeling a lot, especially here in the United States. Um, Again, those perceived kind of self-righteous attitudes. Yeah, it's okay to have a little mystery about you as well, yes. too, right? Yes. <laughs> then that leaves leaves you open for like whatever someone wants you to be. They could project yeah. that. Yeah, you. and then that's not your problem. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, well, Hannah, this was wonderful. This oh, was a, a wonderful yeah. talk. Thank you so much for for joining me today, and My thank pleasure. you all of you all in the chat box here. We we have some really great comments. You know, it says. Uh, you're awesome guys. Great talk. Really great points. Lisa's talking about nature finds a way. Um, just a lot of great reflections here in the chat box as well. So thank you all for being here today. Uh, please visit Hannah at divineskymystic.com, correct? Yeah. And you'll find her on Instagram at that mm -hmm. same handle as yes. well. Uh, check out her passage program. It looks really great. And it's a, you've still got a few spots available for that, correct? I do. I've got two spots left and we're doing intake until uh, the end of the year. Awesome. So check that out. Uh, sign up for the Deccans of Sagittarius. Visit my good my good partner, Tanya Andrews at Third Coast Mojo if you're looking for Christmas gifts. And uh, if you want to support the work that I do here, the first thing that you can do is hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Leave me a comment. Uh, if you want to make a physical donation to the work that I do, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com or book a reading. So that's what I've got for today, my friends. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, Hannah, once again. And uh, we will see you the next time. Take care, my friends. <laughs>